Wake up, America. It's Morning Air with John Morales. Si, senor. Sarah Tafoya. This is my mom. Am I going to get paid for this? <laughs> and Glenn Leverins. This is Morning Air. That's how I know. <laughs> <laughs> On Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Wake up, America. It's Thursday, February 16th. Good morning and welcome to another edition of Morning Air. I'm John Morales along with Glenn Leverance and our studio producer, Sarah Tafoya. Thanks so much for making us a part of your morning here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. On Thursdays, we always remember the institution of the Holy Eucharist on Holy Thursday by our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's try to make a visit to the Blessed Sacrament sometime today, if you can, or sometime during the week. Now, Lent is almost here. Ash Wednesday is coming up next week on February 22nd. I just want to take a moment to remind you that you can elevate your Lent this year in just two minutes each day with Father Rocky's Lenten Lessons on the Mass. They are jam-packed with interesting facts and all kinds of teachings to help you learn more about the Mass in your faith. See why these bite-sized videos have had over a million views just last year alone. Sign up for Father Rocky's Lenten Lessons on the Mass. You can do it this morning at relevantradio.com Lent. Get ready to learn the Mass, live the Mass, and love the Mass more than ever before. And the good news is they are absolutely free. That's relevantradio.com slash Lent. Want to bring in our morning air team, Glenn and Sarah. Glenn, what are a few of the big stories making headlines here on this Thursday morning? Well, the uh, results of that uh, train derailment in East Palestine, Ohio, right on the border with Pennsylvania, have continued to ripple throughout the community. Uh, folks are really worried about the uh, toxic cloud of uh, black smoke that's been burning there and wondering what's uh, being released into the atmosphere, dead fish galore being uh, found in that area. Folks uh, having their throats and noses irritated and uh, wondering if the water is safe to drink. The uh, governor of Ohio recommends using bottled water, even though the EPA says Oh, we've tested it, and, and it's safe, but uh, folks are not, not buying that. There was a town hall last night. Let's hear what some of those folks had to say. All I know is I went to bed one day and woke up in the middle of a uh, toxic super site the next day. Well, I have property that I own here, and I have a well, and I want to know what's going on with this. Is this seeping into our ground, into our water? Now that we're home, you don't know what to think. That $1,000 are given out to everybody is oh. the inconvenience fee. That's insulting. Glenn, it's a really uh, tough uh, situation for those folks there in East Palestine, Ohio. Uh, some people d don't even want to come back to their homes. They're so scared, and obviously uh, uh, they're still waiting uh, for uh, officials from the railroad who did not show up last night uh, to that town hall you mentioned, uh, let alone anyone from the, from the feds. Yeah, the people there worried about the environment not being safe, and the company representatives worried about their own personal safety, attending a meeting with a bunch of angry, uh, maybe uh, justly angry folks, uh, wondering what's going on. So, And this has been burning for a while now. This happened a few weeks ago. Uh, meanwhile, uh, South Carolina, the House, uh, passed a bill banning abortions, uh, affirming that life begins at conception. What do we know uh, about uh, this bill? Well, South Carolina legislature trying to move some pro-life legislation through. Uh, the House has passed a ban that's uh, uh, completely, you know, no exceptions whatsoever. Uh, the Senate has passed a measure that's uh, does have exceptions for rape and incest, and uh, basically once a heartbeat is detected at about six weeks, 
uh, is the Senate version. The, the House has no exceptions, and uh, both sides seem fairly entrenched there. So it's uh, you know heartening to see some some movement there. Uh, there are some states where they won't touch uh, life pro life legislation at all, and so uh, the the road forward still a bit tricky in South Carolina. But they are they're trying. Yeah, there's concerns that the the Senate may not even take it up at all. Well, the, the Senate version, uh, yeah, is uh, this, the version the Senate passed is not as strict as you were as the as the House version. So to reconcile those would be a little tough. On a lighter note, uh, nuggets are in the news this morning. What is going on? McDonald's introducing the new McPlant nuggets. The fast food chain says the new plant-based nuggets will be available next week in Germany, along with the new McPlant cheeseburgers. McDonald's launched a deal with Beyond Meat to create plant patties, which already have been permanently added to menus in the UK, Ireland, Austria, and the Netherlands. No word if the McPlant products will make it to American McDonald's. Now, we've wondered, I love McNuggets, by the way, but we've wondered for years what exactly is in there, and uh, we might have a better idea, but uh, it's still not slices of chicken, perhaps. Yeah, no, what, those are a big feature for kids across America, and, well, whether they liked it or not, uh, we've been kind of saying, hey, this is the kids' meal, so this is what you get, and the kids have been eating this for many, many years, uh, myself included, growing up on this. You know, the sauce is a very important part to this whole proportion thing, because you always get a sauce, and I don't know, does everyone, anyone have, like, a favorite sauce? I personally, I like that sweet and sour, so I don't know about anybody else. The McDonald's sweet and sour is something to behold. I may be getting it confused with other nuggets um but i like the ranch that goes with it so the real test will be american kids will they eat uh these plant nuggets that'll be the test i think they will i think they will as far as sauces i've learned the hard way about you know i normally would be eating those in the car and so as the driver generally i i I do sans sauce so i'm not spilling that I've, i've learned the hard way uh uh, one time, only one time, took a, a powdered sugar donut. Not a good idea to eat those in a car. It's kind of messy. <laughs> so uh, no no sauce either for me. Yeah. Well, I know there's one kid we can always go to to find out if American kids will eat this particular product. He likes it. He likes it. So we'll have to ask him, see if he'll do it. You're talking to someone who eats a homemade Egg McMuffin uh, typically uh, every morning after mass on the way back to the studio. So, uh, yeah, I know about crumbs in the car, Glenn. for sure all right well stay tuned to see uh how these new nuggets are received as always uh thanks so much uh sarah and glenn sure thing john we begin every morning as we always do in prayer giving thanks to our lord for all the many blessings keeping in mind that every day is a blessing and we're always asking through the intercession of the mother of god our blessed mother mary In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death, amen. Our Lady of Guadalupe, patroness of the Americas, patroness of the unborn, and of relevant radio, pray for us. St. Joseph, patron of the Universal Church, pray for us. St. John Paul II, co-patron of Relevant Radio, pray for us. And we invoke the Holy Spirit every morning when we pray, come Holy Spirit, come Jesus, I trust in you. 
In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. And of course, you can always find us on Twitter and Facebook, at Morning Air Show. You can send us an email directly, morningair at relevantradio.com. And our number, if you want to be part of the program, 888-914-9149. Now, this morning, we're going to talk about a new biography, about someone who I was blessed to meet and interview many times for Relevant Radio, someone who I really loved and respected so much. The book is called Glorifying Christ, The Life of Cardinal Francis E. George, OMI, written by Michael Heinlein. This book has been described as the definitive biography of the late great Cardinal George, Archbishop of Chicago, who died back in 2015. Cardinal George was an exemplary pastor, a heroic disciple of Christ, a native Chicagoan, who was told as a young man that he would never be a priest in Chicago because of a physical disability resulting from polio. Cardinal George's Episcopal motto was, to Christ be glory in the church. The bishop has to see to it that the whole church makes visible and available the gifts that Christ wants his people to enjoy, Christ's love, his forgiveness and healing, the salvation won by him, the gospel, the sacrifice he offered for us. The church makes all of these gifts visible in word and sacrament and action and service so that they can be shared. And joining us live this morning is author and theologian Michael Heinlein with much more on the life and legacy of Cardinal Francis George. Michael Heinlein is the editor of OSV's SimplyCatholic.com and a regular contributor to OSV's periodicals. He's also the author of several books, including his latest, of course, Glorifying Christ, the Life of Cardinal Francis George. Good morning, Michael. Welcome to Morning Air. Thanks so much for joining us. Great to be with you to talk about one of my heroes. Well, it's a blessing to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, uh, what inspired you uh, to uh, take the time to write uh, this wonderful biography, Glorifying Christ, the Life of Cardinal Francis E. George? Well, growing up in Northwest Indiana and Chicago's shadow, Cardinal George was always somewhat of a mythic figure. I was always intrigued by him and, of course, came to appreciate his brilliant mind and his deep faith as time went by. And then when he died, I, like so many others, was wondering, what is it that we can do to preserve his legacy? And one thing led to another, and I ended up writing this biography, uh, something I never imagined that I would have done, but what an incredible gift it was for me to get to spend so much time with a man that I admired and with a man who I truly believe that every Catholic should get to know on a more deep level. Michael, I imagine uh, it, this was a Herculean effort. It takes a lot of work to, to look into uh, someone as, as, as great as, as Cardinal George's life. Uh, There's so many different aspects to his life from when, when he was a little boy. I, I, can, you, can you share with us uh, some of the, of the key uh, details that we should know about the, uh, the life of Cardinal George? Well, Cardinal George, of course, was Archbishop of Chicago for 17 and a half years before that, he was Archbishop of Portland and Bishop of Yakima out uh, in the American West. But for a long time, he was a priest of the Oblates of Mary Immaculate. And that was a, a, a vocation that resulted by God's providence, because 
as you had mentioned earlier, he was told in Chicago, where he grew up, that he couldn't be a priest because of his disability from polio. So he joined the Oblates of Mary Immaculate and showed himself to be uh, quite an intellectual and pursued the path of a philosophy professor, and then was drawn into administration in his early 30s and ended up provincial, uh, and then uh, eventually was elected twice to be vicar general for the Oblates of Mary Immaculate, during which time he lived in Rome and traveled to dozens of countries throughout the world, visiting the Oblate missions. In many ways, he became uh, the face of the American Catholic Church, uh, elevated to president of the USCCB at one point. Uh, uh, talk to us about what he meant uh, to the Church here in this country. Yes, really, Cardinal George was one of the most consequential U.S. bishops. His fingerprints are all over sorts of things that were decided nationally, internationally, during the time that he served as Archbishop of Chicago. We know that, of course, he was Bishop uh, Conference President from 2007 to 2010, during which time the American Church was under the persecution of religious liberty threats. And so uh, he was really a, a, a unifying voice, uh, someone who could articulate the faith very clearly, very convincingly, without any hesitation, and someone that all the bishops always listened to whenever he spoke. He was also very much involved um, with the new translation of the Roman Missal that we currently use. And when sometimes we hear certain words uh, in the Missal, we can think of Cardinal George, such as oblation, because he was an oblate of Mary Immaculate. He was uh, someone who wanted that word oblation in the Missal. And so when you hear that, you can think of him. Yes, he had a, a love for uh, for the Mass, for the liturgy, for the, for the Holy Eucharist. But in many ways, he uh, Cardinal George was misunderstood and underappreciated. Uh, in fact, some of his own priests in the Archdiocese of Chicago uh, used to refer to him as Francis the Corrector. That's right. When he first came to Chicago, they started calling him that rather unfortunate nickname because of his love for the liturgy and his uh, on-the-fly remarks about things that needed to be fixed in the celebration so that it was more worthy and more uh, appropriate in, in terms of expressing our love for God. And so there was a little bit of a revolt among some of the priests in Chicago when he arrived uh, because of those sorts of things. But Cardinal George was a man who often took criticism to heart and uh, worked very hard to earn the esteem and the love and the trust of his priests. And I think by the time he left, you could survey the priests and find that there was a great love for that man because they saw the conviction that he had, they saw the dedication that he had, and they saw the love that he had for the Lord and his church. And uh, the the people loved him, and he loved the people. Uh, I know he used to love to visit uh, so many of the parishes in the Archdiocese of Chicago. Uh, he knew people by their first name. He was just that kind of a bishop. Yes, exactly. He was the first Archbishop of Chicago to visit all the parishes, which was over 300 at the time. And uh, he was always, as, as people would tell me, the last person to leave an event, which is quite remarkable given the immense amount of duties he had on his schedule as Archbishop of Chicago. But he loved to visit with people. He loved to talk to the average, everyday Catholic. And those were not the stories that were often picked up in the media and as you say, he was sometimes mischaracterized, but really he was a very deeply personal and pastoral man who really wanted to be accessible to his people. 
Um, Michael, um, as I mentioned at, at the beginning, um, I was blessed to interview him numerous times, even in Rome, uh, uh, when he would go to Rome to, to meet with uh, Pope John Paul II for the ad limina visits. Uh, uh, it was just a, a, just a wonderful opportunity to get to know him a bit better. And the one thing that I always remember, um, he never called me John. He always called me Juanito in Spanish, kind of that affectionate, you know, like uh, Our Lady Guadalupe called the Juan Diego Juanito. So he would always call me Juanito, which I always got such a kick out of that, you know, here's the Archbishop, the Cardinal of Chicago, calling me Juanito. That's beautiful. And I think it really speaks to the personality of the man, the character of the man, and his ability to relate to people at that personal level, because he really was a pastor, someone who sought out uh, the goodness in people and was able to uh, relate to them as as Christ would relate to us, because he really was a Christ-like figure in so many ways. He really was, especially in terms of uh, suffering from when he was a little boy uh, with the polio and then at the end with the bladder cancer. Uh, he understood the value of, of suffering and redemptive suffering, uniting his sufferings with those of Christ. Absolutely. I think that that's a key to the story of Cardinal George is this life of suffering. His sister would often comment to me about how her brother never had a day he wasn't in really sharp pain, and that's resulting from the polio, but then the last 10 years or so of his life dealing with bladder cancer and the effects of that, which ultimately took his life. He knew what suffering was, and he was able to transform his suffering into something of an oblation, into something of a self-sacrifice, because he joined it to Christ's own suffering. And so that's a real key to Cardinal George, because many people would want to know, how can he keep moving? How can he keep going? How can he keep pushing himself, working these long days and giving himself completely? It was because he united his sufferings to Christ. And that's a real model for all of us who have, you know, our own sufferings and difficulties to carry in our own lives. Absolutely. Uh, We're joined this morning by uh, Michael Heinlein. Uh, he is uh, the editor of OSV's uh, simplycatholic.com uh, website and also the author of this new biography, Glorifying Christ, the Life of Cardinal Francis E. George, OMI. Uh, Michael, um, heroic virtue, I think, is a way that describes Cardinal George. Can you talk a little bit about uh, why he has been described this way? Yes, I think that that would be an accurate thing to say about Cardinal George. When you see the obstacles that he overcame, the ways in which he completely threw himself into the service of Christ and his church, the ways in which he showed us how to be uh, more committed disciples through his own witness and through his own living. Cardinal George is certainly a man who lived like the saints lived. And when he died, he often would comment uh, when he was dying, when he often would comment, he wanted to die like the saints did. And I think that he lived like the saints did. And so for us, if we turn to him uh, as, as a model, as perhaps even an intercessor, we can find a friend, a, a friend in the Lord, and someone who is going to teach us how to answer our own call to holiness. You know, recently uh, with the uh, the passing of uh, Pope Benedict XVI, he was described as a man of great clarity in his teaching. Well, so was Cardinal George. Uh, he had incredible clarity of thought. Uh, he also led a very simple life. And most of all, uh, he was holy. Uh, he, he totally was a, a man of, of prayer. Would you say that those uh, uh, pretty much uh, sum, sum up uh, who Cardinal George was? 
Yes, absolutely. His, his whole heart, his whole mind, his whole will was given over to Christ. And uh, that mind he put to very effective use as uh, a, a scintillating intellect who was able to relate the faith even to the common uh, person in the pews because of his great ability to see. He had a real depth, a real prophetic quality to himself. As I say, his, his, his heart was also given over to the Lord Jesus because he, he, he allowed Christ to transform his life through this suffering and enabled him to give of himself in a real complete way, in a real uh, uh, convincing and authentic way. And then, of course, his whole will was given over to Christ because he knew his own schedule six months ahead of time where he'd be on any given day. His life was not his own, and so he really allowed Christ to take over his life and to be of service to his people. Was that the reason that uh, you titled uh, your book on Cardinal George, uh, Glorifying Christ? Yes, because his life really was an embodiment of his Episcopal motto, which was uh, in English, to Christ be glory in the Church. It was in Latin, Christo Gloria in Ecclesia. His life was an example of what it means to glorify Christ. And so I think that uh, when we look at Cardinal George's life, we can find some inspiration for our own, because that's our vocation, too, is to be glorifying Christ with our hearts, minds, and wills. And so hopefully Cardinal George will inspire readers to uh, take on their own vocation a little more fully and, and find ways to deepen their own faith as well. Do you think it's a matter of time before uh, Cardinal George uh, is officially recognized on his way to sainthood? I can only imagine so, having looked at his life and I think studied it rather closely and talked to so many people who knew him so well. Um, I think that the, the story of his suffering, the story of his dedication to Christ in the Church, and his virtue that, that kind of uh, was the foundation of all that could only lead into a closer look at what I see as a real sanctity about the man. Well, Michael, uh, you are a blessed man to be able to, to spend time with Cardinal George and to write this new biography about him. Um, when is it going to be released? Where can our listeners uh, get a copy? Well, you can go to osvcatholicbookstore.com or Amazon or wherever books are sold. Uh, the book is available for pre-order. It's also available in ebook, and uh, pre-orders should start being filled uh, in early March. Sounds fantastic. I, I really appreciate uh, you taking the time to, to be with us. Uh, Cardinal George uh, is, is one of my all-time favorites. Uh, he really was a father figure to so many, including this reporter. And uh, thank you so much for being with us, Michael. Thank you for the opportunity. God bless you. Michael Heinlein, the editor of OSV's SimplyCatholic.com and the author of Glorifying Christ, The Life of Cardinal Francis E. George, OMI. We need to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to talk about World Youth Day 2023, and you'll meet uh, Penny Borello, the World Youth Day Coordinator for the Diocese of Joliet and the Archdiocese of Chicago. So stay with us as Morning Air continues on this Thursday. There's much more to come here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Wake up, America. It's Morning Air with John Morales, Sarah Tafoya, and Glenn Leverett. Jump into the conversation. Call 888-914-9149. And welcome back to Morning Air. I'm John Morales along with Glenn and Sarah. Thanks so much for joining us on this Thursday morning. 
here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Our power scripture from the Playbook of Life this morning is from Luke 148. Our Blessed Mother Mary says in the Canticle of the Magnificat, For behold, henceforth, all generations will call me blessed. In the great song of Mary, Our Lady proclaims the greatness of the Lord. She is full of grace, and that's why all generations call her blessed. That's why we as Catholics call Mary the Blessed Mother. Mary is the mother of God, the mother of our Savior, the mother of the second person of the Holy Trinity, the mother of the Word incarnate, our Lord Jesus Christ. The same Virgin Mary who came to the Americas is Our Lady of Guadalupe. Never hesitate to go to Mary, our mother, who always leads us to Christ, her Son. And we always pray with great confidence, Jesus, I trust in you. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook at Morning Air Show. If you want to send us an email, uh, you can send it directly, morningair at relevantradio.com. And our number, if you want to be part of the program this morning, 888-914-9149. Now, after years of uh, anticipation prolonged by the global COVID pandemic, the next international celebration of World Youth Day will be held uh, this coming August 1st through the 6th in Lisbon, Portugal, with Pope Francis on hand. If you are 18 to 39 years old and you've thought about possibly going on a pilgrimage of a lifetime, stay tuned because we're going to talk about this year's World Youth Day here in a moment. Listen to this promotional video uh, from World Youth Day Lisbon 2023 in which the Holy Father, Pope Francis, asks, are you ready to say yes? Amigo, les pregunto, ¿están dispuestos a decir que sí? A meeting of young people from all over the world with the Pope. A party of youth. A path. A gathering among cultures. Moments of sharing and faith. Young people as protagonists, seeking for peace, union, fraternity among peoples from all over the world a challenge for all Lisbon 2023 are you ready are you ready? Joining us live is Penny Borello, the World Youth Day Coordinator for the Diocese of Joliet and the Archdiocese of Chicago. Penny has a deep love of sharing the faith through encounters like pilgrimages. Uh, she was born and raised in Illinois. She's been married for 43-plus years, has four adult children and nine grandchildren. Penny is also the mother of Father Stephen Borello, who will be joining us uh, in a few minutes. Good morning, Penny. Thanks so much for for joining us. Great to be with you here on Relevant Radio and Morning Air for the first time. Good morning. How are you, how are you doing? Uh, are, are, are you ready for World Youth Day? You know what? I am so ready. I'm already tired. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's so much going into this. It's just such emotional roller coaster talking to the young people and uh, hearing their faith and hearing them praying and discerning on it. it. It's just a blessed opportunity for me. 
Well, I, I get emotional about it. I, I can I can appreciate that. Uh, I I have a, a taste of of the feeling of World Youth Day. Um, both myself and Drew Mariani and and the relevant radio uh, team were in Cologne back in 2005 oh. uh, for World Youth Day yes. uh, with Pope Benedict. Oh. And wow, what an experience that was! Something I'll never yeah. forget. We we did the three hour live broadcast on Relevant Radio from there and talked to so many young people and just saw mm-hmm. uh, the the sea of kids uh, there to see the Vicar of Christ. Uh, for folks who are not familiar with um, the the idea of World Youth Day, can you can you tell us a little bit about what exactly is World Youth Day? Uh, you know, I can give you a candid uh, description of it. You know, basically, it's, it's an event for the young adults in, in, in the uh, Catholic faith. It's sponsored by the, the Catholic Church, um, and it brings different countries, I mean, you know, adults and young adults and, and uh, from all over the, the world. Uh, it's just phenomenal. Um, they experience uh, fellowship. Uh, they develop the relationship with Jesus Christ, and, and they have a feel of the universal church. It's not, not my church in my neighborhood. All these people share the same faith, same as share love, and you grow by walking with them. It's just uh, a, a very uh, moving situation where these kids you know, learn so much, and when they come back, they're going to be bursting with fire to share what they learned. Um, uh, so, I mean, it's just an experience that's, that starts out with, uh, starts out slowly, and it builds to the anticipation of the Papal Mass and uh, on Sunday morning, where Pope Benedict, uh, not, I'm sorry, but uh, uh, Pope Francis will g- give us the final message and tell us to arise and go, share our message. And there's a lot of anticipation for this World oh. Youth Day because it was postponed on account of uh, the the COVID uh, pandemic. So uh, yeah. kids from all over the world and here in this country uh, and obviously in, in the Diocese of Joliet and the Archdiocese of Chicago are, uh, are, are getting ready. That's correct. Um, can yep. you give us a little bit of a historical perspective on uh, how it all started, uh, World Youth Day? Mm-hmm. You know, it's amazing. It started with uh, Pope John Paul II, I believe. Uh, the history is that they would do something every year, something uh, called Live the Life or Light, Light the Life uh, in Poland. And uh, he brought that to uh, the Universal Church. And it, his first uh, World Youth Day was in Poland in 1987. Uh, it moved to every two or three years, but it was in a different international country. It was actually in the United States in uh, 1993 in uh, Denver, Colorado. Uh, some of these events have brought in as large as 5 million people to the uh, closing mass uh, Philippines, both in the Philippines were the two largest events. Uh, it was actually considered the largest event of uh, gathering of single religious event in the world. Uh, phenomenal. Yeah. I, I could go on and on. Oh, I, I love it. Uh, you're bringing back some of the images. Uh, um, I remember, you know, at Marion Field in Cologne with Pope Benedict uh, seeing just a sea of humanity as far as you could see in the horizon of young kids with all their flags from all the different countries and sleeping overnight to just to get a good you know spot for the for the final mass of world youth day and just you know the camaraderie and just the joy from these young people uh, and that has gone on and on in all of the different uh, world youth days and i think the one common thread going back to jp2 is uh, these kids uh, relate to the vicar of christ uh, He's the Pope, but he represents our Lord Jesus Christ. 
absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and, and Lisbon is a perfect spot for this. They've picked three different, very nice venues. Uh, and I've been there like twice already, and I'd be going back again in another week or so just to review everything to make sure that I've got everything ready for my pilgrims. Uh, just phenomenal. It's uh, it's interesting uh, that Lisbon is literally, uh, you know, just uh, I believe it's about 50, 50 miles or so away uh, from the shrine of Our Lady of Fatima. Yes, and we will be going there in this pilgrimage. We're going to spend a whole day there. <clears throat> so oh. we felt that that was there. Yeah, it's going to, yeah, it's, it's an emotional place. I was there not too long ago. Uh, Father Stephen actually walked in the procession. And I mean, just that alone, just one experience will be with you a lifetime. And this is a whole week, 10 days of experiences, because we have a pre-trip that starts in Madrid that actually does a lot more history. Uh, yeah, tell so us about the, the pre-trip to Madrid. Oh, sure. Um, we actually leave on the 25th of July, uh, fly into Madrid, and uh, we'll spend that uh, day in Madrid. Uh, the next day, we'll go down to Toledo, a beautiful, beautiful um, middle century uh, residence. Uh, following day, we'll go to Avila. Uh, Sir, um, excuse me, uh, St. Teresa is home, the Carmelites. And then the next day, we'll go through... Uh, Salamanca to get to, I'm sorry, yeah, Salamanca to get to Portugal, uh, Lisbon, to pick up everybody else at the airport. And if, if God willing, we may end up going up to Santorin if we have time, which is another uh, uh, area that has the uh, uh, blessed dead is the Eucharist. Uh, it's a, a phenomenal story there as well. Um, so the pilgrimage has been planned for about two years. Uh, Father Stephen wanted to get on it right away when during COVID, and uh, that's why the, the cost of the pilgrimage is much less than many of the offerings that are out there. Uh, you you are intimately familiar with World Youth Day. Um, how how many World Youth Days have you had a chance to to be a part of? You know, this would be my first one. To be perfectly honest with you, I converted to the Catholicism maybe maybe ten years ago. Um, my whole family's Catholic. My son's a priest. And while he was going through his priesthood, I, he converted me. Wow. Um, I, always, I always, I, I know. And I always celebrated Christ and believe me, I know you walk with him, you know him. That it's is awesome. Amazing. That is awesome. And yes, and uh, we'll be joined uh, by Father Stephen uh, coming up after the break uh, to get his his insights. So, uh, wow, the, the, the good Lord and the, and the Blessed Mother yeah. has entrusted you with a big job there with uh, the Diocese of Joliet and the Archdiocese of Chicago. Um, how challenging is it to organize uh, these young kids from, uh, from these two dioceses, the neighboring dioceses? You know, it is a challenge. Um, infrastructure is not, not in either the diocese to actually move forward. Um, I've tried to reach out globally, like this is perfect, because we're reaching out to mom and dad, grandma and grandpa, coworkers, to share the news to someone else. Um, we can go through the, the, the uh, people who are connected with all the youth and uh, uh, ministries, but I'm looking for the lost sheep. God wants me to find the lost sheep, so I've been out there searching for that person or persons to come back, uh, because it's not just young. It's not just young people in their 18 to 20s. We're reaching out to people all the way up to 39, which is a huge demographic that has not been attached to Jesus Christ. And I'm looking for them to bring them back, and it, it will be a phenomenal event. So we're not going to be dealing with the young young people. We're dealing with adults, and that's where they're really going to get 
a great impact. And so, uh, you know, it's a I, challenge. I, I, I can do it. I mentioned, uh, you know, that you're going to be pretty close uh, to the the shrine of Our Lady of Fatima. How appropriate, yes. because this year's theme is Marian. Uh, Mary arose and went with haste uh, from uh, the Gospel exactly. of Luke. So what a beautiful thing. And that was chosen. That quote uh, from Scripture was chosen by uh, Pope Francis himself. Mm-hmm. And that fits into your power scripture today. Yes, it ties into the power Perfectly. scripture, which, there you, go. <laughs> you know what, it sometimes right it now. amazes me, uh, you know, the, how the inspirations uh, for that power scripture tie into to things that we're talking about. And it's yes. uh, obviously the Blessed Mother's job is to point us to her son. And that and that's uh, what we're hoping uh, that a lot of young people uh, and, and even older young people uh, will yeah. open their hearts and uh, and be a part of this upcoming uh, World Youth Day. Um, I want to invite our, our our listeners, if you've ever been to a World Youth Day, uh, we'd love to hear from you. If World Youth Day has touched your heart, if it's been a, a part of your uh, maybe coming back to the faith, uh, if you are a um, priest that uh, became a priest because of World Youth Day, I know there was a lot of, of, uh, of priests uh, that came out of uh, Denver um, when uh, John Paul II came to the U.S. And so we'd love to hear from you. We're taking your calls uh, for Penny Barello, the World Youth Day Coordinator for the Diocese of Joliet and the Archdiocese of Chicago. The number, 888 If you've been to World Youth Day, love to hear from you. Again, 888 We're going to take a, a short break as we continue our conversation on World Youth Day. Uh, Father Stephen Barello will uh, join us on the other side. Stay with us. There is more to come here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. And welcome back to Morning Air. You've been listening to part of uh, this year's theme for World Youth Day uh, 2023 in Lisbon, Portugal. We've been chatting uh, before the break uh, with the World Youth Day coordinator for the Diocese of Joliet and the Archdiocese of Chicago, uh, Penny Borello, has been with us. And we're now joined uh, by Penny's son, Father Stephen Borello, he is the vocation director for the Diocese of Joliet and a son, of course, of Penny. Uh, Father Stephen, thank you so much uh, for joining us. John, thank you so much for having me uh, on air with you this morning. It is a joy to be with you. Uh, your colleague, uh, Father Burke Masters, is a regular contributor to this uh, program uh, every week. Amen. Amen. It's, it's, a, it's a great opportunity to be blessed to to work with him in the diocese and really to take over his shoes from the vocation office uh, these last number of years. So Absolutely. it's been a, a joy. Well, I'll tell you, it's uh, it's uh, quite remarkable uh, to be talking to your mom here in the in the previous uh, segment, and uh, she shares uh, uh, briefly the story of her conversion. You must be very proud of her uh, coming into the fullness of, of of the Christian faith as a Catholic, and now literally leading the way here uh, with uh, this uh, World Youth Day uh, effort uh, to get the young kids and the young people uh, to Lisbon. It is. Uh, it is. It's a great joy uh, just to have uh, to be blessed to have, you know, my mother uh, to be so involved in the pilgrimages that I've had a, been able to be a part of, but as well as to really help with World Youth Day 
uh, and to help coordinate and organize all of that. And, you know, as, as everything was going on during COVID and everything's in transition, to have someone that we could have, that I could rely on to help us just to get the word out and to really encourage the hearts and souls uh, uh, to seek after the Lord and to really rise and to, to seek Him. And my mother does a great job at that. So I'm truly blessed to be working with her and truly blessed to be able to share uh, this, this little part of my priesthood uh, with her. And, you know, because it's not always something that you're able to share with your parents. So uh, it's a great gift that the Lord has given to me. Now, uh, Father Stephen, as the vocation director uh, for the Diocese of Joliet, um, young men are constantly looking uh, for uh, the Lord's calling, and there's been a there's been a lot of of men who have been called uh, to the priesthood from World Youth Days. Uh, I, I I've met them personally, uh, people who were, for example, uh, in Denver back in, uh, in 1983 uh, to hear uh, Pope John Paul II, and they call themselves JP2 priests. Uh, mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit about how powerful an opportunity it is for a young man to to go to a World Youth Day like Lisbon coming up this summer, uh, and how that could be uh, the, the road uh, to a possible vocation to the priesthood or even religious life? Well, you know, first of all, like, World Youth Day is so shrouded in prayer, and it brings together so many people that allows the Spirit to work in really powerful ways. And from the years past, when I was there, I was in Madrid in 2011, and we brought a group of over 350 people. And of that group of 350 people, we had a number of men who slowly began uh, to look at religious life and women to look at religious life and priesthood, or not the women with priesthood, but the men with priesthood and the women with religious life, even consecrated virginity because they had such a profound impact of Christ, the universal church, and discovering that life is not their own. Uh, that discovery that life is meant to be lived for the sake and the glory of God and to be lived as a gift for others. And so, the, the encounter of World Youth Day and the experience of World Youth Day uh, and the, the spirit of pilgrimage, really, that all of us make when we go there, of, of allowing things to happen and unfold as they unfold, and uh, trusting in the Lord's presence and trusting in the Lord moving and working, it opens the heart to receive a gift from the Lord, to receive a gift from the Lord, whether it's a new affirmation of their baptism, that they truly are His beloved uh, son or daughter, that, that the Father truly delights in them. Maybe it is that, that question that they've been seeking about a, a vocation uh, to the priesthood or religious life, that all of a sudden there's a moment of clarity that takes place uh, during the Stations of the Cross or during, during one of the processions or during the days of catechesis. But the encounter and just being with a group of people just so immersed in prayer over the course of the week of World Youth Day truly opens the heart and disposes it to profound uh, outpourings of grace and healing. Uh, Father Stephen, what do you remember the most when you think back uh, to that experience of Madrid in 2011? I believe that was uh, the last World Youth Day uh, with Pope Benedict XVI. It it was. What I remember was just, you know, I think it was just the sense of peace and calm that was over the two million of us gathered at that final, the million and a half of us gathered at the final Pitbull Mass. 
Uh, but and the excitement that just permeated everything. It's like, wow, like what a gift to be Catholic. What a joy to be Catholic. And to truly be unified in that, in the love of our Lord Jesus Christ and our Catholic faith. And the, the just, and just as I'm sitting here right now thinking about it and re- reminiscing, or just the, the beauty of that morning. Um, uh, we had a major storm that night before that, that, that knocked over uh, they had these t- the tents that had uh, hundreds of thousands, a hundred thousand hosts each in them to be consecrated, and this massive storm came through with like seventy mile an hour winds and or fifty mile an hour winds, whatever it was, and knocked over a bunch of the tents. And yet, all of the pilgrims just remained in place, uh, just praying and adoring our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament, and it was happening. And um, it just it was just so powerful. It's like even even though there, there was a storm raging in a sense around us. There was this serenity and this peace as as we as pilgrims knelt before Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament at the Vigil. Uh, Father uh, Stephen, would you say that the common thread of all these World Youth Days, and obviously after Madrid there was Rio uh, in Brazil and Krakow back in, in Poland and, uh, and in Panama a, a few years ago, um, the common thread um, ha- has been that the Vicar of Christ is there for those young people. So whether it's uh, JP II or Pope Benedict and now uh, Pope Francis, uh, this is the uh, prime minister of our church who represents the right-hand man of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, it certainly is the Holy Father, and just to see the Holy Father and the joy uh, mm. that one experiences when they encounter the Holy Father is it's, it's unbelievable, because it is truly an experience. It's truly an encounter with, with uh, the presence of God in, in, his, in his person. Um, and the, just, uh, I remember when, when Pope Benedict came through in the, in the, the Pope Mobile and all of us are there, you, could, you just sensed it. You just sensed that, that here is one who has been, uh, in a sense, anointed and chosen for a particular role to help all of us grow in our relationship with Jesus. Oh, Father, you just uh, you just brought back some memories. I remember being uh, with the media on the media ship uh, going down uh, the Rhine River in Cologne with the Holy Father's uh, papal boat right next to us, and hundreds of thousands of young people on either side of the river. Uh, just unbelievable experiences, and I'm sure there'll, there'll be more memories uh, coming up uh, this summer in Lisbon. Amen. Amen. And I think the other part that's so powerful that for so many of the pilgrims who have gone— is is just that sense of the universality of the church without a doubt you you have people from every country imaginable and you have their flags and they're speaking different languages it, it is so exciting remember the kids just chanting outside of of, of the cathedral uh, at the world youth day I was at and uh, you know just you could just feel the buzz in the air from these young kids mm-hmm. absolutely absolutely and what's unique about Lisbon is that the, the Holy Father asked for Lisbon because Lisbon is one of the most connected countries, or Portugal is one of the most connected countries to Africa. And he really uh, wanted to have the African countries be able to participate in World Youth Day. And so that was part of the reason that he asked for it to be in Lisbon, such that um, the African nations would be able to, to send delegations uh, with greater ease because it is much closer to to Europe and Portugal than it is uh, to the other sections of Europe. Um, but really to have, too, that the experience of bringing up just many of the countries, the Catholic countries of Africa, to participate as well. 
And Father, the fact that uh, Lisbon is just down the road uh, from the Shrine of Our Lady of Fatima, which ties into uh, this year's theme, Mary arose and went with haste uh, that the Holy Father has proclaimed. Uh, I, I think that that's a, a perfect connection. And, and I think Fatima is, is just truly an incredible shrine. Uh, just to be there, the story of Fatima, the angel of Portugal, right, appearing to the three children, uh, teaching them to pray, preparing them for, for their first communion, and then and then instructing them, and then Our Lady coming and instructing them in what they would have to suffer for the sake of the faith, and really this call to conversion that comes out of Fatima and repentance, uh, so that we can go back differently. And really that sense of rising and going in haste is, is really all about us having this encounter such that we are moved by grace and by God to set out now in a new direction. Well, Father Stephen uh, Borello, I really appreciate you being with us, uh, along with your uh, mother, Penny, uh, to talk about this year's uh, World Youth Day. Thank you so much uh, for being with us, Father. Thank you so much, John. Many blessings. And now it's time for yet another episode of Glenn Story Corner. Our story today is called Priceless Friendship from Sunny Skies. Imagine being a mother driven to pay people to be friends with your son. On February 2nd, St. Louis mom Donna Herter posted a heartbreaking message to Facebook requesting a young man to spend two hours twice a month with her son, Christian Bowers. She said she'd pay the person $80 for the two hours. I'm looking for a young man between 20 and 28 who'd like to make some extra money, she wrote, two days a month for two hours. I'll pay you to be my son's friend. All you have to do is sit with him and play video games in his room. Nothing else. He's 24 and has Down syndrome and doesn't have any friends his age. You'll not be alone with him. Myself or his grandpa will be home. Obviously, he won't know you're getting paid, but you're there for him for those two days. The post quickly went viral and since has garnered nearly 60,000 shares and more than 26,000 comments. Donna said the majority of the comments on her post were positive, filling up the calendar for the next several months with new friends from across St. Louis who expect nothing in return. She even received offers from as far away as London and Australia. I still have people messaging, she said. I'm adding more dates. I just can't stop smiling. And it's not even for me. It's for him, said Donna, the KMOV. He has not been this happy in years. Happiest I've seen him in years. Last weekend, Bowers was treated to several new friends from the nonprofit STL Youth Sports Outreach. They brought Christian a new 65-inch flat-screen TV, a wireless soundbar, St. Louis Blues tickets, and plenty of snacks for late-night gaming sessions. Christian kept saying, OMG, I think that's how we all feel. I was not expecting any of this, said his mom. Proverbs 18.24 says, There's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. As always, uh, thanks so much, Glenn. Really appreciate it. Now, coming up next hour here on Morning Air, His Excellency Bishop Donald Hine of Madison, Wisconsin, uh, will discuss the spiritual nature of travel and what a pilgrimage is and what it can offer pilgrims. Plus, our spiritual director, Father James Kabicki, uh, will be with us to explain the findings of a new survey that says that only 35% of U.S. Catholic parents highly value passing on the faith. We'll talk about it. Stay with us. There's a lot more to come in the final hour of Morning Air here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app.